0: You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. How are you doing? I hope that you're well. Uh, This episode is currently being recorded at 20 minutes past midnight on a Wednesday evening, okay? This is a special midnight edition of Luke's English Podcast. The reason just because it's been a very busy day, and I had to grab this interview um, in the only moment that I could, and that's at this sort of um, late hour. What's going on? Well, you might remember that a year ago, almost a year ago to this day, in fact it was on the 23rd of June um, 2013, um, I um, uploaded an interview with uh, Ben Fisher, a.k.a. Drain Bams, um, who, that's how how he's known on his blog and on Twitter and stuff. Um, Ben Fisher, who told us all about a kind of monumental cycle trip from London to Paris. Remember that? It was episode 136, Cycling from London to Paris. Well, guess what? He's back. He's back again. This is the sequel, okay? Um, And uh, he's back again to tell us about another... An even bigger cycle adventure, cycling journey, uh, which he did recently. He's um, he's he's basically staying here f- this evening before going back up to um, uh, Lincolnshire in England. And I managed to grab uh, Ben for a quick interview. I thought I can't let Ben um, stay here in the apartment without asking him to tell us all about the latest, slightly mad cycling journey that he's done you thought the last one was was a long distance well that's nothing compared to what he's just achieved um so do you want to hear about it do you want to hear all about what happened and all of the things that uh, he had to deal with on this ridiculously long journey would you like to know how far he cycled of course you would and that's exactly what you're going to get in this episode of luke's english podcast um so let's see ben hello Good evening. Hello. Good evening, indeed. What do you think of um, the location for this episode of Luke's English Podcast?
1: Absolutely incredible location to record a podcast. We've got the Sacré-Cœur. We've got the Montparnasse Tower, the Eiffel Tower. Probably the Arc de Triomphe as well.
0: Yes, the Arc de Triomphe is just over there.
1: And the sounds of Parisian nightlife below on the street. That's right. uh, It's pretty good.
0: This episode is being recorded upstairs on the terrace of this building because it's a beautiful uh, June evening. Um, It's been a beautiful sunny day and the stars are out above us. And because I'm lucky enough to have an apartment that has a terrace with a view. It's like a small roof terrace with a view, which is something that many Parisians would probably kill for. Um, some of them may have actually done that. I didn't. I got it legitimately with some luck. But here we are sitting with views of of Paris, as Ben just said. The Eiffel Tower there, it's, it's, it's lit up. This is the City of Light, that's what they call it. Did I
1: didn't know that. I've never heard that about Paris.
0: Yeah, it's, they call it the City of Light because everything is, is lit up uh, there's lots of lights. and It is actually quite a colourful place at night, Paris. Very colourful. Yeah, it's obviously known for being a very elegant city during the day. But at night, everything's lit up and there's all sorts of different lights on all the buildings. And it does make a beautiful sight. I must post a, a picture of this on the webpage so that people will actually believe me. Cause we yeah, could...
1: we could be sitting in a cellar, really, couldn't we? Yeah,
0: we could easily just be making this up. Yeah, But we're not um there there are there may be some cafe and bar sounds coming down from scooters i
1: think that's going to be the main noise that comes through
0: you think so okay right so ben how are you feeling how are your legs
1: i'm 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 all right now i've had um i've had well over a week to recover from the ride um (laughs) i've been relaxing by a swimming pool in serre in the pyrenean foothills um post cycle
0: I know Serre, it's a very nice town.
1: It's a lovely town just nestled in the in the hills just near the Spanish border.
0: That's right. It's just in the foothills of the Pyrenees as you said. Um let's see. What do we what facts do we have about Serre? Uh Picasso lived there.
1: Picasso did live there. Um also famed for its cherry production, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They
0: they they produce cherries, so it's typical to sit around in Serre eating cherries. Yeah. Uh, and uh, relaxing.
1: We, uh, I I was staying in Sarah with my family. Um, yeah. I met them all there after my cycle. And, uh, and we went to a shop that claimed to sell the world's best cherries. Really? I, I don't know how they measure that, um, whether they've got an actual record or...
0: Yeah, maybe there's some sort of judge, mm, international judge. Cherry that, judge. Yeah, cherry judge who goes around to every location in the world yeah. testing the cherries. I mean, they were tasty, but... Were they that tasty, though? I don't know. I haven't eaten all the cherries in the world, so... If if you had eaten all the cherries in the world, then I would be interviewing you about that. Mm. Because that would also be quite That'd an be achievement. That would be quite a feat, wouldn't it? Yeah, cause, and also, I think you may be being chased by an angry mob yes. at that point, because they'd be like, why did you eat all our cherries? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you haven't eaten all the cherries in the world, but uh, you did eat some cherries in serre Some cherries in, in Serrae. That's okay. difficult to say. It, yeah, that's almost a, a tongue twister. Some cherries in serre. Can you say that, listeners? I don't know why you would want to. It's not a sentence that people use regularly, is it? But you've just used it, Ben.
1: And you've used it. It's I been ha- used twice in a, in as many seconds. I, you know what?
0: I'm going to say it again, just for fun. Some cherries in serre. Boom. Deal with it. No one's ever going to say that sentence again. Well, they might, they might do if they go to Sere,
1: Or if they listen to your podcast. Yeah. And if, take your advice.
0: Yeah, and try and repeat the phrase. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do ever go to Sere and you happen to consume some of those little fruits, those little red ones, and then you tell someone that you did it in English, then this is the phrase you would use. You'd say, I just ate some cherries in Sere," And then your friend would be like, So? And then you'd be like, aren't you impressed? And, and You'd launch into the fact that they were the best cherries in the world. Yeah, you'd have an anecdote, yeah. that's for sure. Right, well, we should stop talking about cherries, probably, and try and get down to the serious business of this episode, which is to find out about this um, cycle journey. So yeah. last, just to remind the listeners, what did you do
1: last year? Last year, um, uh, in June, same time as this year, um, I, I set off on a little voyage of my own, uh, a solo trip um, on my bike, And I cycled from the middle of London, crossed the Thames and then cycled down to the south coast, uh, got a ferry and then cycled all the way down to uh, Paris. Okay. So I did the classic London to Paris uh, cycle run, and,
0: and there were some highlights of that journey? Highlights
1: there? and lowlights. Um, highlights being meeting um, some two lovely girls yeah. uh, who, who cycled with me from the ferry
0: terminal all the way through France to Paris. Two girls who showed no interest in you at all, except, nope. except because you had sat-nav. That's the, yeah, okay. uh,
1: I, I had a GPS, they had no maps, but they spoke French, so we kind of used each other. Basically.
0: Yeah, 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 you teamed up. You sort of—I was going to say double teamed, but it doesn't work. Anyway, you—you you made you—you you joined forces. We did, yeah,
1: and we had a very, very good time. I'm still in touch with them. Um, a year on, actually, um, really. Yeah, texted them to let them know I was, I was going on this big trip this year. Yeah. Uh, and we actually recently met in London as well for oh, a really? drink. Yeah. And how are they doing? They're, they're
0: all right. They're very good. Excellent. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Um, also, on that trip, you had a horrible experience of being stuck in a bus stop in in heavy rain. Torrential rain, yeah. The streets were,
1: were flooding. Uh, impossible to cycle on. And we, we sheltered in a bus stop with a, a strange, um, awkward-looking French teenager for a few hours.
0: Yes, I remember. And you, at that point, you were like, why am I, why yeah, am I doing this? yeah. Yeah, but it, it was worth it in the end. It was, yeah. Okay, good. Um, so then that was how many kilometres?
1: Uh, I can't remember exactly. It's about 400 and something.
0: Yeah, I think it was 480. Something like that. Um, I, I do 460 kilometres. Sounds about right. Yeah, that's that's according to the, the post which I put on Luke's English Podcast, the website, which of course is teacherluke.co.uk. Just wanted to remind everyone of that. Nice plug. It's an award-winning podcast, <laughs> three times. I don't like to talk about it too much. But sometimes it's worth reminding the listeners, you know? Just so they can appreciate what they're getting here. Yeah, for free. Yeah. They do have the option to send donations. (laughs) I also like to remind them of that sometimes too. Just, it's an optional thing. Anyway, um, so what about this time then? Um, Bigger? Yeah, the sequel.
1: This is is The Bike Ride 2. Yes. This would be Arnold Schwarzenegger, a little bit older. Yeah. He's, he's spent all his money from the first film. Right. He wants to do a sequel. So it's like bigger, yeah. longer,
0: even more
1: challenging. Everything about this was just more extreme than the previous ride. The bike journey, too.
0: Coming soon. You know, that kind of thing. Okay. and um, So just tell us about some of the details. How long... Um, where did you go? Yeah, I
1: should say what it actually was.
0: Where yes. I went from. Yes, please. Two. So,
1: uh, a kind of classic bike ride in in England, in the UK. We think of uh, Land's End, John O'Groats, Groats as being the the uh, the holy grail of of distance cycling. So, Land's End being the the furthest point to the south, furthest uh, southwesterly, I believe. Right. And John O'Groats, That's in in uh, Cornwall. That's in Land's End in Cornwall. Land's End. Yeah, in Cornwall, and John Groats being the furthest north easterly i think point of the uk right uh,
0: up in scotland so it's like the longest distance that you can travel in the uk yeah
1: i didn't exactly do that in france they have their own version of that but it's a bit long yes Uh, i can imagine so i did what what they call the Manche to the med which is the
0: english channel north coast of france all the way down to the mediterranean so the, in france they call the english channel la manche yeah they're wrong of course it's not la manche it's the english channel yeah <laughs> it's english <laughs> i'm i'm kidding of course <laughs> that just really annoys french people when when you say that um but uh, la manche to la Med. the manche to the med okay yes
1: so yeah. i just had to get from from that bit of water up in the north down to the mediterranean that was my goal okay uh, and i cycled in in 12 days i did
0: 1233 kilometers 1233 kilometers yeah um and last time you did 460 yeah so this is uh a lot further it's like almost three times the length isn't it just about three times the length just off that Yeah, it's ridiculous yeah and um okay wow so you didn't even double it you tripled it pretty much that's amazing okay so um let's see 12 days 12 days yeah so i averaged just
1: over 100 a day
0: 100 kilometers a day yeah. okay and and where did you stay on this journey
1: uh i, I took a tent with me uh, on my bike i carried all my um all my camping gear uh, a little stove yeah tent sleeping bag okay uh various things
0: like that sounds quite uh quite full on yeah definitely maybe a bit uh intense maybe intense yeah see, we had that last time we, didn't we did we? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't appreciate it last time, but... The, I was prepared for it this time. This time you were prepared. It took a year for <laughs> that to work. It. That, in the in the comedy world, ladies and gentlemen, is known as a callback. Okay, just a bit of extra information there. So when someone makes a joke and then later on they refer back to the same joke, for some reason it makes people laugh. This was a particularly long callback. Yeah. The, the longer...
1: 366 the... days.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it worked, didn't it? Maybe some of you were like, oh, what? Intense? What? What? Never mind, just go back to episode 136 and listen to that. Um, so, yeah, camping, tents, you carried your, ca- your camping equipment all the way? I did. Okay. Um, right, so what about some of the highlights? Was it more difficult? I mean, if it was so much longer, was yeah, it more it was, difficult? It was
1: really hard, yeah. Um, definitely the most physically challenging thing I've ever done. Oh. Um, mainly because of the distances I was doing. Uh, The first two days, I did 150 kilometers each day. So by by the end of day two, that's 300k I'd done. Right. Uh, Which had got me down to Saumur on the the river Loire. Okay. Uh, And then the heat, it got very, very hot from about day three.
0: Yes. Uh, Hot and hilly. Last time you had to deal with torrential rain, as we've already mentioned. But this time, no rain. Day two, it rained. That was the only day I got rain okay did you uh, did you did you cycle in the rain I did cycle through the rain
1: uh and then chickened out at the end of the day because I was wet and miserable chicken and ch- sorry chickened out chickened out that means i i kind of gave up and took the easy option
0: right yeah to chi- to chicken out there you go he chickened out and he
1: and you i took the easy option i i was wet miserable i'd done 150 k two days in a row uh and i i phoned home. Because I didn't have any f- internet on my phone. Right. To look for a, uh, a hotel. Yes. I phoned home, like any self-respecting boy would do. Got my mum to arrange a hotel. Like, mum,
0: it's raining. Uh, can you find me a hotel? It's
1: raining and I'm miserable. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that you got the bus for a second. But... <laughs> no, 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 no. I would never take, take that much
0: of an easy there way. Is an, there is an easier way to travel from north to south of France. You know? There are a
1: number of ways. Train. Which my family all, all took yeah and I took the hard option,
0: yeah well, you know sometimes it's better to take the hard option, yeah uh because you know you you learn more you learn more about yourself, you grow as a person was this a, a journey of self-discovery
1: it was it was a journey in which uh, during which i i learned a lot about my mental resolve and uh an ability to cope with
0: difficult situations and 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 to what extent do you have mental resolve well I got there you did didn't you yeah, yeah, I finished it. You did. You did phone home after three days. Two <laughs> days. <laughs> Two days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's really just a drop in the ocean compared yeah. to all the other things. It you got a lot
1: harder after that.
0: Yes. Okay, it did really, and you didn't give up at that point no, either. No. Okay. Well done. All right. So, um, so that was the first challenge. It rained after three days, and you'd done something in the region of four hundred to four hundred. Yeah, I'd,
1: I'd done three hundred. Got rained on for a hundred and fifty kilometers. rain headwinds pretty miserable didn't want to camp so i stayed in a a little um little b&b yeah uh dried everything out bed and breakfast that is yeah uh dried everything out and then set off the next day um which i think either that day or the following day turned out to be the the toughest day of riding i've ever done
0: really why was it Um, so tough
1: it's uh after that second day i hit a huge heat wave Mm. uh where the temperatures got in the sun, it was getting up to about 42 degrees.
0: 42 degrees? Yeah.
1: I think the official temperature in the shade on the weather forecast would have been kind of mid, mid-30s. mid But in direct sunlight, which I was in, yeah. uh, it was reading 42.
0: 42 degrees. Yeah. Climbing
1: fr- hills with a, a, a heavy bike.
0: Okay. Now, um, what effect did that have on you, Ben? It's absolutely exhausting. I mean,
1: climbing a hill on a bike... At the best of times, is, is difficult.
0: Yeah, I was saying to you earlier that sometimes when I when I'm with friends and my friends go, hey, let's let's all go on a bike ride, and I kind of go, yeah, seems okay, seems like
1: a good idea at the time.
0: Yeah, what a great idea! Let's all go for a bike ride. And then, sort of forty five minutes later, I find myself climbing up some hill on a dodgy old mountain bike, and my legs are hurting, and I'm yeah. just sweating, and I'm thinking, why am I even doing this? So you can imagine the the
1: twenty fifth hill of the day. Oh, God in 42 degrees with 25
0: kilos of gear on your bike yeah did you did you not consider giving up at that point no
1: no i, I kept going yeah i, I was never going to not do this ride yeah that no, wasn't an option
0: nothing's going to stop me no i'm going to get down to the to the mediterranean yeah um if it's the last thing i do yeah in okay. true sequel style yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> He did it in the first film. Now he has to do it in the second film, but even bigger. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um and so okay, um didn't didn't you suffer from like heat stroke or d- what I mean, didn't it physically affect you because I understand yeah. that, that there was a mental um a mental challenge of like being determined, but physically you just have to you just have to drink masses
1: of water. Mm. Um drink loads of water, keep covering yourself in sun cream. Right, and just when you start to feel yourself overheating, you have to stop otherwise you 're going to get a sunstroke.
0: Did you get the sun on your head a lot, or were you wearing something? No, had
1: a helmet, uh, sunglasses, loads of sun cream mm-hmm. um, and i've got this i 've got a brilliant tan a, a very specific <laughs> cycling tan, yeah, uh, so tops of the knees they 're yeah. the only bits of the legs that go brown okay, uh, tops of the arms up to the kind of t shirt line. Okay, so, so your
0: arms are all brown. The middle then of the
1: bicep, that's where just, it starts. Just the
0: middle of the bicep, you've got a nice line yeah. there. Okay, very specific watch tan. I see. Because I kept my watch on the whole time. So it's like when, you're, when you take your watch off, it's like you're wearing like a white flesh yeah. watch. Yeah, fleshy white <laughs> watch. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, and my face, it, it, I had a very specific sunglasses line. So very brown nose and cheeks. Yeah. Uh, but very white panda eyes right it's a bit or like is that an inverse panda like so a rev- black or white eyes
0: pandas have black patches around their eyes so i was an anti-panda right the sort of negative panda yeah that's that's quite good i quite like that the the uh anti-panda yeah like right. the
1: antichrist but of the panda world but with pandas yeah
0: yeah D- um okay i need to explore the concept of an anti-panda at this point i'm sorry this just put the brakes on the the cycling for a moment the anti-panda all right so pan uh, okay all right i'm not gonna don't worry everyone i won't go on a big thing about anti-pandas just give me a minute all right um pandas are normally known for certain things aren't they? they they're quite docile yeah they sit around they like to eat bamboo yeah they don't They don't uh, produce enough offspring. They don't seem to have sex enough. Yeah. Right? So I suppose the anti panda is very active, rushing around. Eats meat mainly, uh, lots of activity and loves having sex. Yeah. <laughs> Is that true? Uh,
1: <laughs> that, I don't think that was the main kind of point of the bike ride, to, <laughs> I think, I think to not f- eat bamboo and have loads of sex.
0: I think you fulfilled one of the criteria, certainly energetic.
1: Yeah. I don't know about your sex Probably life. Probably the sex um, sex aspect of the ride isn't really anti panderish Okay, I was probably quite panderish actually mm. in my approach to that aspect, really, okay, during the ride, yeah,
0: I see well, you were focusing mainly on cycling down yeah. to the Mediterranean, you didn't have time to to you know think about Woo, or... French ladies, yeah, well, I bet you did think about that a bit, Ben <laughs> you are a man after all, <laughs> we meant apparently we we think about these things every every couple of seconds. I mean, I'm thinking about it right now, Ben, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, they say that men can't multitask.
1: Well, you're on a a rooftop in Paris. How couldn't you?
0: Yeah, it would be unnatural for me not to, at least, you know, for part of my brain not to be thinking about that. Anyway, let's not, okay, that's the anti-panda bit, which now is finished, okay? Let's get back to the cycling experience. We've taken the brakes off and we're rolling again. All right, so uh, you didn't get sunstroke, you didn't pass out and fall off the bike. I had a very worrying day, about day, uh, I can't remember, five or six, uh-huh. maybe,
1: um, where it was a very, very hilly day, a long day. I did about 100, and maybe 120k that day. Mm-hmm. Um, very hot. I'd been going all day, and I had on my GPS, I carry a little GPS for, for navigation purposes. Global positioning system? Uh, yeah. Is that right? Like a, a
0: satnav, satellite navigation, like a TomTom, but Tom. not a TomTom. TomTom is just TomTom. A Garmin, Garmin. That's the make. Is yeah, it, that's the brand. Okay.
1: So I had a, a campsite identified on my on my Garmin. Yeah. that I was f- I was following a route to mm-hmm. for over a hundred k. Very hot day, sweating loads, climbing loads of hills, exhausted, and uh, got to the point where this supposed campsite was. Just as I took my last swig of water from my third bottle, the last remaining bit of water. All the bottles were empty. Got to this uh, this location, no campsite. Oh my god! Yeah, so not a thing. What did you do? There was there was an empty farm building, nothing.
0: Oh god! N- uh, I swore, like really, swore a lot. Could you could you tell us which words you used at that point? Fuck. Okay. Did you say the Did you say shit? Shit. In and that order. Uh, oh, yeah. fu- oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, oh, fuck shit. shit. Uh, yeah. Did you create any new swear words? No, no. Just, just
1: mainly relied on those two.
0: Okay, that's that's fine. They're uh, the standard ones. you said
1: with enough venom, yeah. I find they're enough.
0: Oh, definitely. And they're appropriate for that situation. Yeah. If any of the listeners are wondering, should I use those words on a daily basis? No. But if you have just cycled one hundred and twenty kilometers, k- no. <laughs> what's the what's kilomet- I've d- <laughs> 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 That's when Arnold Schwarzenegger is is cycling. He he doesn't cycle kilometers. He, he cycles kilominators. Kilominators. Anyway, if you just cycled one hundred and twenty kilometers, and then you realise your campsite's not there, then it's appropriate to say, "Oh fuck." Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, so th- yeah, I found myself. I was literally in the middle of nowhere and mm. that is a good use of the word literally because I was. You
0: definitely were. Yeah. It's not figurative. You yeah. were literally in the middle of nowhere. Okay. So I imagine at that point you were a bit concerned because you were thinking, I, yeah. re- I really need to, s- to sleep and to drink and to rest.
1: The, and to- the water was the main worry, uh, cause I was extremely hot. Yeah. This was kind of maybe three o'clock in the afternoon, hottest part of the day, probably.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, Very hot, no water, and uh, and no campsite. So, I mean, I'm thinking, well, you could just ride to the nearest town and go to a shop, but... So
1: I I thought that, and I looked at my GPS. It's got this little feature on it where you can find the nearest next campsite. Yeah. So program that in, and it said 20 kilometres. So through the hilly terrain that I was travelling through, that's another hour and a half of cycling.
0: Yeah, when you've run out of water. Yeah. Mm.
1: So... I I carried on I set off for that campsite and after maybe a kilometre I saw a sign for another campsite oh brilliant so turned off down this little windy country country track uh, really narrow lane no other people no houses and eventually after 500 metres got to this next campsite yeah Uh, my French is limited but I was able to work out immediately that this was a naturist site (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right what's a naturist site a naturist site uh is where people who like to stroll around without their clothes on uh go for their holidays a nudist colony a nudist site yeah
0: okay so all right i can imagine that your brain was then having conflicted yeah uh
1: i had on, on the one hand one side of my brain was saying you've got no water you've done 120k next campsite's 20 kilometers away yeah you need to stay here yeah other side was saying you're going to go in there and probably never come out. Yeah. And you're going to be made to <laughs> to walk around naked as some kind of weird slave.
0: What, you're never going to come out? You mean you were thinking, uh, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to take my clothes off, and I'm going to like it so much that I'm never going to want to leave. Is that, that what you w- were that thinking?
1: That wasn't quite what I was getting at, <laughs> no. I thought they might try to you know force me to stay as part of some weird tribe
0: you thought you'd end up in the sort of naked sect the cult of of nudity in yeah, France yeah. okay
1: so so I, I quickly made my retreat oh yeah you didn't yeah I you didn't, didn't stay there the the fact that I had no water yeah and had another couple of hours
0: of cycling ahead of me was better that was a better prospect than staying at a nudist really summit. so you thought well no water or no pants which one and you went for no water yeah wow you really you really uh, have dignity don't you You really yeah. want to keep your dignity intact yeah i would have taken the pants i would have had my pants off already to be honest with you you know I'd, if i'd noticed that there was a campsite at that point i would have just taken my clothes off in celebration and then it would have been oh it's a nudist camp great even better I declined I it. I wouldn't have done that, really. I'm just obviously saying that for comic effect. But um, you decided not to stay in the nudist camp. Wow. Yeah, I decided to, to move on.
1: Uh, so I cycled back up the hill I'd just come down. So that was another hill that I was forced to climb. Right. Uh, and carried on thinking, okay, I've got 20k ahead of me. Uh, at which point, I kind of emerged from these country lanes onto this slightly larger road. Yeah. That w- just went straight downhill... As far as the eye could see, brilliant. set off down it, freewheeling downhill. Yeah. Rounded a corner after maybe two or three kilometres, saw a sign for a campsite. Oh brilliant. So I went from utter dejection and uh, just feeling terrible about things. Desperation to, to absolute elation. Found that saw this campsite, pulled in and within within thirty seconds had a beer. Oh brilliant. A, an English speaking campsite owning woman yeah gave me a beer brilliant so from no water to beer
0: was she wearing clothes she was fully clothed this oh. was a normal campsite oh brilliant uh that's that's great news i'm i'm excited i i want beer now just because i can imagine how that must have tasted. i've never
1: been so happy to open a beer <sighs> wow brilliant best beer i've ever tasted is it a
0: can did you get the it was a bottle, bottle. A chilled bottle oh brilliant yeah okay um, and so, th- you know, good. So you rested at the campsite and drank your beer and all that. Yeah. And, um, okay. Any other, any other sort of, uh, adventure, any, any other highlights? Uh, uh,
1: yeah, I, I've stayed with a few people. There's a, there's a website for touring cyclists called warm warmshowers.org
0: Warm showers uh, yeah. org. W-A-R-M-S-H-O-W-E-R-S dot O-R-G. That's the one. Okay.
1: Uh, and it, it's for touring cyclists and it's kind of the, uh, a lot of listeners will have heard of airbnb yep uh and what's the other one called uh, what facebook um uh, no, there's that's... another one for uh couch surfings. couch surfing yeah. of course so that those are those are for non-cyclists but this one warm showers is for people who go cycling okay and they um you can list your home as a, a stop-off point for cyclists who are passing through your town uh, and they can come and stay with you, get a warm shower, hence
0: the website I name. See. It's very clever. Is that a prerequisite for signing up? You need to have heated water in your in your Probably. <laughs> they'd be expecting it at the very least. I think so, yeah. Um, so
1: they can come and stay with you, get a shower, a bed for the night and some food, okay. uh, and then go on their way. And in return, you can, if you're going touring somewhere, for example, from the English Channel to the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. find people along your route, get in touch with them, and uh, and they'll let you stay. Okay. Uh, so I stayed with uh, a couple of families. Uh, I stayed with uh, a nuclear engineer. Wow! In a little village uh, somewhere in the middle of
0: France. A nuclear engineer. A nuclear engineer. And um, and was she was she all right? She wasn't glowing in the dark or anything like that. No, she wasn't glowing, and she she wasn't called Homer Simpson. No. Okay. Um, because those are the things we think of when we, we think, think of nuclear, nuclear engineers, engineers. Yeah. well, maybe the things that some of us think of, okay, in fact, they have a lot of nuclear engineers in in France because obviously they have lots of nuclear power stations yes
1: um, okay she lived within within spitting distance of one of the nuclear
0: power stations there you go. vocab hunters within spitting distance is an idiomatic phrase which is used to expl- to describe the location of something. Would you say that within spitting distance is is near or far, Ben? Within spitting distance means very close to. Okay. And spitting, well, we know spitting, don't we? It's its the sort of thing, well, I don't know. Uh, how do you describe spitting? Some people do it when they are outside. They spit on the floor. I think you need to think of footballers. They spit a lot, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they, it's English footballers love a yeah. good spit. That's right. If you're watching the Premiership on TV... Often on a huge screen in a pub, yeah, you get these big close-up shots of English footballers. Cowboys in westerns as well, Dang! Yeah, they do that with the chewing tobacco. Yeah, yes, that's right. Okay, so we know in spitting dis within spitting distance yeah right means very close yeah yeah okay so so um fine and she was a good
1: host she was great she uh yeah she lives um in this tiny little village uh right next to this nuclear power station yes. um and she she hosted me gave me beer again brilliant as soon as i got there i was offered a shower a warm shower yeah uh, and some
0: beer well, she and she knows she knew she, I mean, she knew that you were English, so maybe that's why she packed the f- the fridge full of beer. Yeah. Although I think that would be a welcome uh, a, a welcome thing to offer. Yeah, anybody. she didn't even she's she didn't drink, but she still had beer in her fridge. Brilliant! She's a great host. Great host. Yeah. Okay, so you stayed near the nuclear power station with the yeah. nuclear nuclear engineer.
1: Yeah. So she watered me and fed me, gave yeah. me a bed for the night, uh, and then. S- she cycled with me the following morning to get to work and then i i carried on my way excellent uh, and then a few days later i stayed with a, a lovely family
0: uh in a place called i can't remember what it's called something french i expect yeah. you see it being in france i can't remember it's on the river lot l-o-t the river lot okay yeah. all right how much water was in that river a lot very good okay let's move on uh <laughs> So you get jokes as well on Luke's English podcast, <laughs> really bad ones, but still. Um, all right. So, and how were the family? Oh, they were they were very very nice, very friendly. Um, did they give you beer as well?
1: They did. They gave me beer, wine, barbecue, food, wow. conversation. They they had all their friends to uh, round for that evening, and they included me in in a game of petonk, okay, uh, which is a classic French
0: game involving steel balls. Yes. Yes, that's right. Uh, and they they include him in their barbecue as well. Petonk is that game where you have to throw your balls. Um, um, you know, basically, it's like you get one little ball and it gets thrown forwards onto the ground, and then you, each person has two metal balls. Yeah, and you
1: have to throw your balls as close to the little one as possible. That's and right. Knock your opponent's ones out it's of all the about way.
0: Ball control. Who's got the the best ball? Who's got control. the best balls? Basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Did you did you win? Uh, I was very good, actually. Well, I'm not surprised, Ben. I'm not surprised. After... It doesn't... You know, not just any man can cycle 120... 100? 120? No. 1,200 kilometres in just a matter of days without having... Balls of steel. Balls of steel. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Okay, that sounds great. sounds like you met some really friendly people on your journey and they gave you beer and uh, you played petonk and you had a lovely time. Um, was it all plain sailing for the rest of the journey?
1: Um, pretty much. Nothing went horribly wrong. The, the running out of water and finding no campsite was the low point of the trip. Yeah. From there it was all good. Um, just kind of uh, difficult in the heat. From that point onwards when it started to get hot, it was hot for the rest of the trip. Yeah. Uh, Like, up to 45, I think, in the sun. Yeah. Uh, And the distances I was doing each day. Yeah. That made it hard.
0: For me, when I do... Even if I just go to the gym for an hour and um, do lots of exercise for just an hour, like, the next day and the day after that, I'm often in pain, physical pain. My muscles are... (laughs) kind of my muscles are hurting but essentially they're kind of going oh why did you do that Luke why we're still struggling to deal with it it's good but it hurts you know yeah you have pain didn't you have muscle pain no
1: no I do a lot of cycling at home I've done a lot of preparation my body's used to it so I think mainly I knew I was physically fit enough it was the mental side and the coping with the heat okay that was going to get me if anything yeah Uh, but no I, I finished every day feeling. Did not aching, and woke up feeling fresh the next day. Okay. I was doing kind of um, up to maybe eight hours on the bike each day. Right for the
0: longest days. Didn't your bum hurt? Because when I cycle a long distance, my bum usually hurts. You know, your bottom. Yeah, my bu- You know, my bum usually hurts from the saddle. Yeah,
1: that's called um, in the bike world saddle soreness.
0: Saddle soreness. Yeah. It's rather a sort of pragmatic phrase. Yeah. Um,
1: and and there's no way to stop that other than keeping on cycling. Really? Yeah. Is that the best it way? It affects th- all new cyclists. But if mm. you carry on through the pain uh and then cycle regularly, mm. you'll never get saddle sore again.
0: Because your bum basically sort of learns to deal with it. Yeah. It it toughens itself up. It does. Okay. And it's I've
1: got a and I've got a Brooks saddle as well on my bike. A which, Brooks saddle, which any any touring cyclist will know is is the king of saddles. Really? Which is a it looks horrible it looks like a hard stiff leather thing right uh that, w- that would be very uncomfortable yeah it doesn't uh, look
0: like it's gonna gonna make it no there's no
1: padding no no padding no springs no gel really uh just a hard leather
0: saddle <laughs> but it molds to the shape of its user really yeah it's an intelligent saddle mm. okay so it molds to the shape of its user yeah so the saddle does the work and not your not your rear the end.
1: S- the saddle is the shape of my rear
0: end, so I, I sit perfectly upon it. I see. It's very clever, that. Yeah. I'm sure that my listeners want to have a picture <laughs> not only of your saddle, but also of your rear end. To compare. Which, which they can see on... I'm not taking a photo of Ben's bum, okay? I know that there are l- ladies out there who are curious about these things. But um, some things are just private, isn't that right, Ben?
1: Some things are best left to the imagination. I
0: think. Yes, I think so. Although I expect that some motorists in in the French countryside got a good view. I'm sure they got a very good view of, of your your uh, your rear end. Yeah, um, derrière, as the, the French would say. That's right. Yeah. Um, are we talking about your your bottom on the podcast? I think so yeah i was just checking um, okay, so twelve days and you you f- eventually managed to meet up with your family down in serre near the near the southern coast yeah okay yeah I did um
1: i I basically headed straight for the the, the Mediterranean coast and then as soon as I joined the coast, just kind of cycled along it uh, yeah. right next to the sea uh, round Perpignan. Which is a city in the southwest of France, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then to Serret, Okay. where my parents and my sisters all all joined me, and we had a week uh, chilling out in a in a holiday home
0: with a pool. Okay, brilliant! It's a great way to recover from the the experience. Yeah, uh, very good. Now the bike is where? Where is your bike? The bike. That's a good question.
1: Um, I found it so difficult to arrange to get the bike on a TGV which is a, a fast French train. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they were kind of insisting that the bike had to be taken apart and put in a cardboard box or
0: a bike case or something. They were like we will only accept this bike on this train if if the bike gets destroyed in the process. Yes. <laughs> Essentially, You're like really is that necessary? Do you have to do, is that because they're train people and they're like we 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 only believe in trains. We don't respect other forms of transport. So if you want to take your bike on this train you'll have to destroy it first. They made
1: it very difficult. So rather than trying to source a uh, a bike box and take my bike apart handily because my parents were down in the south of france with their motor home they've taken the bike off me they're going to take it home for me and i've uh i've
0: come to paris as a foot passenger on the train right i see they're, your parents have a motor home they do that's yeah. pretty cool yeah very useful It's like one of those big winnebago things Can't, yeah
1: yeah pretty much they've got yeah beds and tables and fridges and all sorts in there the shower f- they've even got a shower
0: really yeah that's great have you uh, so? What's it like in the motorhome? Do you kind of have a like a little living room area where you can just yeah, chill out? Yeah, there's a table and sofas and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah,
1: you can chill out on. Okay, great. It's all very civilized. It sounds very civilized. So they're they're currently driving back very
0: slowly through France. Okay. With your bike? With my bike. How is the bike, by the way? It's the same bike that you used last time, it isn't is, it? It
1: is, yeah. It's got a few alterations. It's It's got
0: um, a dynamo
1: hub. What's, a, what's in that? What's the front wheel. What's, um, a, what's a dynamo, a, first of all? A dynamo is something that generates electricity.
0: Okay. How does it generate electricity?
1: Uh, magnets, this one. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So
1: uh, the dynamo hub is in the middle of the wheel with all the spokes radiating off it.
0: Going out to the the outside of the wheel. So wait a minute. The dy- dynamo hub is right in the centre. Yeah. Like where the wheel is attached. Where the to wheel the is friend. attached to the forks of the of the bike. Forks. We did do some bike. We did vocab do bike last time. terminology. Did yeah. we get to f- things like we forks, did forks and things? I think and spokes. Yeah. Okay. But we didn't do
1: dynamo. I know that. No. Much. So I've built a dynamo hub into the wheel, and that means that as I cycle along, I'm like a little uh, like a little power station. Okay. Make generating electricity, uh, and that powered my, my GPS unit, which we talked about earlier.
0: I see. So you were green as well. Green, yeah. That's brilliant. Okay. Um, but other
1: than that, it's the same bike. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I got to France, I um, gave it some much-needed uh, TLC. TLC. Which is tender, loving care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that basically means that I just gave it some, uh, a good clean and, uh, and an oil. And made sure it was working properly because right. it, it had a bit of a battering for twelve days
0: yeah did you did you not get any uh, punctures two punctures uh, yeah. over the trip one in the front and one in the back wheel okay and um, so how quickly can you change a tire no you don't wh- when you get a puncture what do you ha- did you did we do this before i can't remember <laughs> I think you may have described how to ch- how to deal with a puncture before yeah. but let's do it again well that the-
1: there are two scenarios. The first one, uh, where I got a puncture in the back tire. This was when I was cycling, uh, with the nuclear engineer. Yeah. That morning. She was on the way to work. She was on the way to work. And suddenly my front, my wheel started wobbling around and, and it didn't feel right. And I realized I had a flat tire. Yeah. Uh, and I, she cycled on. I told her to, to go on. Just
0: go on without me. Go on without me. <laughs> I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
1: Uh, and, uh, and I proceeded to try and fix the, the puncture. I took the wheel off, took the inner tube out, which is the bit that, uh, that you fill with air. Yeah. Uh, and replaced
0: it and then realised my pump was broken. Oh, God. Uh, and you were like, I've replaced the inner tube, but I can't pump I it up. I can not pump it up, no. You've got no pump. So w- what on earth did you, do, did you do then? I managed to kind of bodge a fix.
1: Okay, you bodged a fix. Yeah, which means I kind of tried to fix the pump. But bodged means I kind of did a a poor job on it and just did enough
0: to uh, to get it working a little bit. Yeah, you bodged it. So it's like you, tr- if you bodge something, it means you, you you kind of don't do it very well. Maybe you even break it or something. You kind of do. If you do a bodged job or a botched job, that means that you sort of do a bad job. You know, like if you're trying to fix something and you end up kind of you fix it but not very well i'll give you an example the other day i was closing the bathroom door in my apartment and because i'm a strong strong muscular person <laughs> when i closed the door the handle just broke off in my hand just the handle just was left in my hand the door was closed I, that was successful but the <laughs> handle remained in my hand and it had just broken off and i was like oh god that's not good is it how am i going to open that door again so i i decided to glue the the handle back on using super glue right so I glued it on and I stood there for a while with my thumb holding the the handle in place with the super glue doing its magic and I was like I think that's probably enough time went to move, remove my thumb my thumb was stuck to the to the door handle so I had to like you know ah, pull my thumb off it hurt a little bit and then I looked at the door handle and it was kind of like not straight you know the door handle was like glued on but it was glued on badly so i did a botched you i did a definitely job
1: definitely botched that or yeah, botched it I totally
0: botched it and yeah. bodged it so you did a bodged job on your pump
1: yeah i just fixed it kind of half fixed it so it would put a little bit of air in my tire managed to get enough in to cycle okay uh, and then and then at the next town bought a new pump okay which was mm. rubbish really and i'm going to replace that one as well all right uh, so that took me a long time i probably spent an hour fixing that puncture and then the second puncture in the south of france took me about five minutes
0: okay i see so because you know by this point you're an expert on on punctures you're like i'm not going to make the mistake i made last time i'm going to make sure i've got an effective pump yes so i don't have to do any botched or bodged fixes or jobs was there any danger on the on the journey i mean you know you're you're cycling on on roads um and uh you know, with motorists now i've noticed in Paris the motorists in this city they're not the most considerate yeah. drivers um, uh
1: I think the f- without wishing to to stereotype the french mm-hmm. uh, I've done quite a lot of driving in France, and as a driver, I've thought the French to be uh not extremely good drivers and quite um from an English driver's perspective perhaps quite aggressive and uh tailgating Tailgating. tailgate tailgate you which is where they drive very close behind you because they're impatient to get past yeah uh and i don't like their driving when i'm a driver no neither do Uh, i actually but uh, as a cyclist uh they could not be more courteous uh patient respectful
0: wow yeah it's great well well done france good job
1: the only dangerous point was when i nearly got
0: wiped out by a polish lorry driver in a small town oh he's polish yeah (laughs) maybe the polish are different i know i've got lots of polish listeners here tell me on the on in the comments section poland how, how do you rate your drivers? How are your lorry drivers? Especially the lorry drivers. You know, the lorries are big trucks that uh, carry uh, goods over long distances. How about the lorry drivers? Do they do they uh, make a lot of space for cyclists normally? Or was it just this one lorry driver yeah. that Ben encountered?
1: I mean, that was the only poor driver I encountered. Really? Over 1,200 kilometres.
0: Well, that's pretty good record. Pretty good, really, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe it's because in France they've got a culture of cycling... You know they have the, the Tour de France, the Tour, the Tour de France, as we generally call it. Yeah. Uh, they have the Tour de. Do we say Tour de France or Tour de France? I would say Tour de France. Okay. So we have the Tour de France, which is obviously a you know big cycling competition. So maybe French motorists respect the cyclist a bit more because it's part of their. Yeah. You I know, think they do. Yeah. You gave me a statistic earlier on today about
1: just a, a random. I mean, I, I can't back this up with any facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I read once that uh, that they've done studies into cycling and cycle safety, and it's been proven... Uh, in tests. In tests, uh, that the more cyclists you have on the road, the fewer cyclists get knocked off their bikes by right.
0: cars. Now, on first inspection, that fact sounds ridiculous, because you think, surely if there are more cyclists, there will be more accidents, because more of those cyclists will get knocked off their bikes just because there's more of them on the street. But apparently, no, the more cyclists there are... The the fewer get knocked off. I see. Yeah. And how does that... How can we explain that?
1: Apparently, it's because uh, car drivers will be more used to seeing cyclists on the road because there are more of them. So we'll be expecting them at junctions and uh, and other places where they might not see them. And also, car drivers, if lots more people cycle car drivers are more likely to have a relative or a close friend who cycles so Mm. we'll view the cyclist in general more favorably
0: so it's the cyclists are more personalized yeah so the 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 motorist is driving along thinking i love my friends and my family and they're not going to kill that cyclist they ride bikes and there's a there's a person riding a bike therefore i'm not going to injure that person yeah. is that really the way the human mind operates subconsciously i think it does that we just worrying thought i'm only going to protect look after myself and my family yeah and everyone else can just you know just die on the side of the road as far as i'm concerned probably quite accurate isn't it <laughs> i think it probably i think there probably is some truth about uh, human nature in that yeah 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 that's very interesting um well ben well um before we finish i should ask you what's next i mean you you've just um tripled your yeah your record from last year so so now what are you going to cycle probably going to cycle to work once or twice okay um but
1: it's not a long distance though is it no no it's quite easy that yeah uh long distance wise um at some point in my life i've got an ambition to to cross the the usa right So i'd like to cross the usa from pacific to atlantic or the other way around
0: yeah Pacific to it—that's a—that's a a long journey. It's a long way. It's about four thousand miles. I mean, it wasn't that long ago in history that many people died trying to cross the uh, the USA. Yeah, it's not an easy journey. I mean, there's they you know there all are these deserts. Diff- yeah, these mountains. different frontiers. There's yeah. the there's the the rivers, the Mississippi and yeah. the Missouri, and then you've got the deserts in the middle, and then you've got like the Grand Canyon and stuff, yeah. and then you've got like mountains. The Sierra is it the Sierra Nevada? Yeah, well, yeah, that's
1: in the in the mountains out in California or somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're really going to try and try and get. Try
1: and Across the USA, well, it won't be. It won't be. I can tell you for sure a year from now.
0: Okay, that's a
1: pity. Can't you? Can't for you for the fi- third anniversary, second anniversary podcast?
0: Um, so it would be the second anniversary yeah. podcast. Can't you do that? Can't you just? Um, I know that it's just for
1: Luke's English podcast. Just for
0: my listeners. Just for the timing. Obviously, no, we don't expect you to do that. But um, uh, wow! So really, you really plan that's to, to do that? That's an ambition. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm. I, don't, I I hope it'll happen.
0: Yeah, that would be an amazing I'd adventure. To, I'd
1: have to take off uh, time from work. Yeah. Uh, it'd take a, a couple of months, probably.
0: Yeah, you'd have to make sure that you're f- you know, fully safe and, and, yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, you know, I've seen some films. I've seen horror movies that are set in, in the Midwest of uh, the USA. Yeah. Or in those parts of the cent- Central America. There's some pockets of humanity out there, Ben. You've got to watch out for that. Yeah. They might not give you beer. No. They might give you something else. And I might kind of start to think that maybe the new camp wasn't such a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. In America, it's a, it's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm sure, actually, Ben, seriously, I'm sure that, that you would find plenty of very friendly... Americans because they are very friendly people when you meet them most of them, you know. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you um, have you checked out uh, warmshowers.org I haven't for the states, but I imagine it would be very popular over there. I expect so. Yeah. Okay. So I think that probably brings us to a close here. Do we? Ha- do you have anything else to say to the people of the world, Ben?
1: Uh, I'll be back in, <laughs> in true uh, Arnie style.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget you can check out Ben's blog, which is brain. Brain Drain Bams. Drain Drain Um and there you can see his blog in which he explains in some detail with photographs. There's no photograph of his of his rear end. No. Uh, but there are photographs of the countryside and his bicycle and uh, you know various other things that he noticed on the way. And also you'll find statistics yeah it's i'm all about the stats yeah lots of stats here for example the distance covered each day the total distance of the trip Uh, average speed uh, for that day, Uh, the maximum speed of the day, the time cycle for that day. Yeah, I'm
1: afraid I'm very nerdy when it comes to stats.
0: It's good, though. It's good to have some stats. For example, day 12, which was the final day. Was this um, a a, a typical day, day 12?
1: Very short day, day 12. Okay,
0: let's have a look at, um, what, let's say day 13, day day 11. Yeah, it's quite a long day. Day 11, Carcassonne to... Barcares distance 116.49 kilometers. The, f- the point four nine point four f- nine is important. Very important there. Uh trip total at this point was one thousand one hundred and sixty four point eight six kilometres. That that point eight six that was just like walking <laughs> to the room, wasn't it? Um average speed, twenty three point three kilometers an hour that was a very quick day that on on yeah. that bike that's that's
1: quite high because it was all tailwinds and downhill that day
0: what's it like going downhill because uh, you know when you i was describing earlier about the misery of, of having to cycle up a hill but that misery is usually kind of counterbalanced yeah. by the pure Elation. unbridled joy. El- elative joy yeah. of riding down a hill on a bike yeah especially with a tailwind especially with a tailwind a tailwind sounds like it could be something else <laughs> It, does that help you speed up if you have a tailwind? If, you uh, eat...
1: if you're going up a hill, you stored some up.
0: Yeah. Talking about a bit gas. Bit of tailwind. We're talking about gas here, ladies and gentlemen. We've talked about all sorts of different types of energy today. Yeah. We've had nuclear energy. We've had uh, uh, d- dynamo-created energy. What is that? Electricity, isn't it, basically? Yeah. And then we've, we're talking about natural gas at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, a tailwind is not a fart no i'm just joking a tailwind is when you've got the wind blowing behind you and it helps to push you forwards it's good isn't it? it's a good thing a tailwind it's it's a cyclist's best friend okay. <laughs> it really is is it yeah and and the, the other types of wind you got a headwind.
1: Headwind is like your worst cycling en- hell your worst enemy yeah
0: and you have wind from the side
1: oh yeah side winds can be a bit dangerous
0: yeah, because it's on busy roads, might blow you in different directions. Yeah, it's not good. So on this day, you you reached an average of twenty three point three kilometers an hour, and there was so there was a lot of tailwind and downhill action. There was day. on that day. What was your top speed over the over the whole thing? Do you know? Uh, about sixty kilometers an hour. It's pretty fast on on a
1: bike. a bike. It is, yeah.
0: Wow, it must be exciting. Yeah,
1: and uh, you just need to try not to think halfway down a hill at 60 kilometers an hour yeah this is going to really hurt if i fall off don't think that no i've covered in um, scars actually i've had a few crashes this year really yeah
0: what's the worst crash you've ever had
1: uh i've had two this year which were fairly bad yeah i I crashed on some ice on the way to work (sighs) and the first part of me to hit the floor was my chin whoa Really? I i had to then go to hospital and get glued
0: whoa so you wait a minute you fell off your bike all the way onto your chin yeah landed on my chin on the on the on, on the, tar- the tarmac on the tarmac and
1: split my chin open had oh to be, had
0: to be glued shut oh my god and then glued I, shut yeah oh good and god. then i oh, crashed good? oh good did i just <laughs> say oh good i meant oh god
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then i crashed a few months later uh on a on a manhole cover right
0: well you rode over a manhole yeah, cover and
1: sunk into the road yeah, but I didn't realise that.
0: I see, you and I see crashed
1: it. and um, nearly nearly broke my arm. Mm. I've got a big scar on my arm and a big scar on my hip from that.
0: Be careful, Ben. Yeah, like all this cycling is very good and everything, but just you know, watch out. Are
1: my only two crashes?
0: Okay, well that's that's good. That's good. Just just take care. Okay? I didn't crash once on this trip. Good. Good. Well, it's it's those um, those considerate French drivers. Who, it is. who are looking out for you. Yeah. Okay. Um well, you know, take care. I'm sure that I echo the thoughts of many listeners here at this point. By a lot of them will probably be thinking, "Oh, I hope he takes care." I do take care. Like um um you know, some some my brother, for example, recently uh dislocated his shoulder. He's a skateboarder. Mm. He fell off his skateboard and dislocated his shoulder, and I got lots of concerned comments from listeners. I hope he's all right. Well, you know, I don't want to hear next time I interview you, Ben. I don't want to hear you telling me, telling us about some injury. Okay, fine. Now I'm not jinxing things at this point. I'm touching wood. That's so that re, re, I'm not superstitious. Those I've just I've just mentioned three things. I'm I swear I'm going to finish the podcast any minute. <laughs> all right, but I just need to explain to jinx something. All right, to jinx something. That's when you kind of put a kind of uh, bad luck on something. Okay, so for example, if you talk about something before you do it, you might jinx it. All right, so for example, if before England play football, You might say, you know, I've got a really good feeling about uh, England this year. That's exactly what I did this year, actually, uh, on the podcast. I was like, you know what? You know what? I've got a good feeling about England this year. I know that they've performed badly, you know, in previous competitions. But this year, I think they're going to do all right. So it's
1: your fault they finished the World Cup on one point?
0: Yeah, I think I jinxed them. It's not really my point. It's, it's, It's Wayne Rooney's fault. It's all his fault. Is it all Wayne? That's what the media are saying. Oh, i've been out of touch from the media so i wouldn't know go back to england and check out the newspapers mm. and they'll they'll all be blaming rooney and and roy hodgson and mm. stuff it's a nightmare so to jinx something the other thing is to touch wood if you touch wood it's a way of of in uh, of of ensuring that uh, there will be no bad luck it's a way of like uh, getting rid of bad luck yeah, you touch it's a, wood. it's a silly superstitious thing yeah and a superstition we all know what a superstition is it's just one of those crazy stevie wonder told us all about it in a classic he song did. from 1972 i think what was it superstition Good knowledge yes yeah, you know that song it's the one that goes very superstitious yeah Okay. I think this is probably a very good moment to just stop. (laughs) Because when I start singing, that means it's the end of an episode. Uh, Ben, thanks very much for coming on Luke's English Podcast again. It's been a pleasure. Um, I think that that everyone will agree with that sentiment. It has been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to listen to you telling us all about the cycling journey. Good luck with the next one. And um, enjoy the train ride back home tomorrow. I will,
1: yeah. Quick uh, Eurostar. Uh, and then a local train back home.
0: Yeah, trains, Ben. Trains. They're good. Did you know that they existed?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's quite an efficient way of travelling up a country. It is. A train.
0: A couple of hours. Yeah. And boom. No Should have for, thought about that. No need for all this cycling nonsense. Yeah. I'm just joking, really. Cy- bikes... Maybe the future, they've been the past, they may come back in a big way. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, green. Except they are. They're not going <laughs> anywhere. Okay, I think on that note, it's time to end this episode of Luke's English Podcast. And it, um, did I ask you if you had anything to say to the people of the world? Did I already do that? I think I've said enough. I think you may have done at this point. <laughs> Ladies and gents, thanks very much for listening to Luke's English Podcast, and I will speak to you again very, very soon. But for now, it's goodbye. Bye. for Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.